Thung Earthlets. My name's Conrad alongside my friend Fox. And this is the fifth episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we'll be covering July 1977, progs 19 through 23. This week, we'll get the exciting epilogue to flesh and the start of a whole new thrill. So let's get right to it. Oh, man. <clears throat> I'm excited for quite a few of these this week. There's some really some really good stuff this week. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess let's jump into Invasion because this one's pretty fucking great. Yeah. Thrill one, Invasion. So, yeah, you, you wouldn't think that what's essentially kind of the same story over and over again like, the Volgons are evil, Savage finds the evil Volgons, <laughs> then shotguns them, would remain, like, the greatest thing ever, but it totally does. I, I mean, he gets really <laughs> creative this round, uh, I mean, just, like, right away. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess people are waiting, a, uh, like, a week or so in between each one of these, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, this one's kind of one of my favorite, just off of the, yeah. like, yeah. first issue. The, the Prog 19 story is basically, so you might remember um, in the last, in, in Prog 19, the Mad Dog's right. uh, uh, London base was destroyed by the Volgans. Yeah. And so they're sort of on the move at the moment. They end up going to a resistance base somewhere in the middle of England, which is being run basically by the... Um, by the British government, you know, like that brigadier mm-hmm. guy that's been a problem. Yeah, he's there being a snooty asshole. Yeah, and so he kind of sends Savage to basic training and like makes him put away his leather oh. jacket and like put on like um like army sw- an army sweater and stuff. Yep. Looks like uh, looks like one of the rest of the boys. Yeah, it's like super weird. Like this, I don't know. I feel like does he really need to go to training camp after you know sinking a ship and. Well, that's what up, we think, like, but I, you know, the brigadier has different ideas. He's a he's a straight up and down guy who doesn't want, um, who doesn't believe in savages. That, that an untrained dude like Savage could possibly match up to the trained forces of of British military. But he's so, so damn effective. The uh, so like a drill sergeant tries to whip Savage into shape and yells at him. Savage kicks that guy right in the oh. face. and then steals a jeep and drives off to find some action Mm -hmm. which he quickly does he finds a uh a highway being built by british slaves who have been disobedient and are about or they've been worked to the point of exhaustion and so the volgans are about to uh to execute them like by firing squad yeah but instead (laughs) savage gets aboard a um a road laying machine <laughs> set it to maximum heat and drives right over the Volgans, sort of crushing them in burning hot asphalt. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty terrifying looking. Like as he as he fires his shotgun with reckless abandon, and the Volgans are just like, we're burning in red hot tar." The heat's really on for them. We can't run away because the road melted and our boots are stuck fast in the tar of the road. (laughs) So Savage... It also marks, like, the start of his, uh, like, weird quotes that sort of... Like, it's it's topical (laughs) (laughs) one-liners. 
Like, wait, what do you mean in that so one? So the heat's really on for you, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he, does, he does, like, one of these jokes when he murders people now. Well, after, and then after he kills the Volgans and brings the prisoners back to the base, uh, Silk asks Savage where he was, and he says he went for a burn-up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is also British slang for something. I, it's just... It's pretty great. Oh, and then they, yeah, that's right. Then they're just like, uh, they're berated by the colonel. Well, yeah, like the brigadier yells at them again. And they're just like, screw this. We're uh, taking some cars and we're going to go on a, on a Volgon killing tour of England, basically. Yeah. So you're going to see some sights. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically what the rest of the, uh, of the adventures this Prague are. Um, oh, we see them. Man. Yeah, we see them, like, driving down to, like, a service station where they get their van worked on. Um, but while they're there, there's a Volgon, a Volgon patrol drives in. And so they have to, like, pretend to be undercover in the, um, in the restaurant of the, in, in, like, the diner of the gas station. And Savage kills the, the Volgons by saying, coming up, Volgs, bacon, beans, and buckshot. Yeah. <laughs> Start shotgunning them. And eventually, they're on the run from Volgon motorcycle troops, and they manage to make friends with, like, a British biker gang that, like, oh, helps God. them fight back. Well, it's like they, they, this guy's last dying breath, like, calls these motorcyclists out, oh, and yeah. they're getting, it seems like they're getting pincered, but nope, it's just, like, a bunch of, like, really crazy-looking motorcycle gang people. It's sort it's, of, like, semi-skinhead motorcycles. Yeah, it's Who kind knows? of intense. <laughs> but then they go to uh, Sandringham Manor, which is, like, this famous, um, like, I don't know if it's a castle. It's, like, an estate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, 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 like, a big house, like, uh, Downton Abbey or something like that. And um, it's now the home of a bunch of, of a Volgon leader. And they, like... Uh, they like shoot instead of shooting skeet they shoot condemned british prisoners yeah it's really horrific <laughs> and there's like this big there's this big statue garden in the front of the of the house and so savage and the boys um sneak in they pretend to be the statues in the yard and then they just kill all the volgans <laughs> they sort of great as the they do the swing was the best scene yeah they they fight into the house so there's like chandelier swinging um, at one point, one of the uh, one of the Volgan leaders is 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 like holed up in a room, and so Savage like peeks in, and the guy shoots him. But it turns out he just peeked in with like a uh, with like an the helmet from a suit of armor, and then Savage totally kills the dude with a ball and chain. Yep, it's throws awesome. it right at his face. <laughs> yeah, and just knocks him knocks him right off the uh, knocks him right off the roof. <laughs> hey, Bill Savage takes a lot of killing. And he deals it out. Dies. <laughs> exactly. I just never die. I And by the way, this is also the first... I mean, it was sort of in the, the last prog as well, but he gets like these crazy murder faces on there's him. A, he's got two murder faces in this one because there's one where he's like painted as a statue and he's got yep. a shotgun. He's like, that's right, Volg. Uncle Bill's paying a visit to your stately home. Here's our entrance fee in alt lead. <laughs> and he starts shotgunning everybody. It's and really great. He, and there's another one where he's got sort of the the knight's helmet with the like a bullet hole in it, and then the mason with the other hand 
He's like, wrong. And, and Bogon's like, you fool. I knew you would follow me. And I see your head. And he shoots. And then Savage says, uh, wrong head, Vogue. That was a steel one. But I'm a hard nut, too. He's really <laughs> kind of nuts. It's like, here's awesome. Johnny face. Yeah, exactly. The, the next story is like just a crazy oh. 100% action three-page invasion story. It's that's, so great. It's just like Savage is in like the southwest of England um, hanging out with some resistance fighters who have their own herds of sheep. Um, and like that's what they're able to like eat and not have to like um, and not have to swear fealty to the Volgon invaders. Yeah. Then the Volgons come and they machine gun all the sheep. And yeah. they're like, oh no, we don't have any food. We're in trouble. But then Savage leads them on a raid of like a train. Mm-hmm. And on the train is a machine that you just toss random stuff into, and it outputs steaks. It's which is, uh, yeah, it's a crazy science fiction machine. I don't know. And it, it's uh, I think we had been talking about this earlier uh, the other day, which was like I love invasion when it gets down to brass tacks. Like there have been a few that have just been three pagers, and they're just amazing still. Yeah, no, they can really just like this is just like here's the situation. Let's shotgun some people. Here's the resolution. <laughs> it's awesome. We know why you're here, because we need some extra pages for a different yeah. comic that's upcoming. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the final story. One, we learned there are only two con- that only two kinds of Vogue meet Bill Savage, the dead and the dying. <laughs> and then uh, Savage infiltrates uh, an under-construction tunnel to try to liberate a resistance leader. But it mm. turns out that the guy pretending to be the resistance leader is actually like a traitor or like a fake who tries to sell Savage out to the Volgons. Um, Savage kills that dude with a shovel to the neck. (laughs) (laughs) Drops a shitload of coal on the upcoming Volgon forces and then manages to escape in like a a skyline coal belt thing, just sort of jumping in the water and then swimming to shore to safety. Uh, It's it's pretty great. He, so he lands in the water and then swims to shore. And then he says, now to start another wave of violence against the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's just so amazing. Another wave of violence. (laughs) Ah, it's good. Uh, The shovel to the neck is really amazing. (laughs) It's super, it's super violent. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. Well, he used a lot of tools in this. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that one, man. Yeah, but man. hey, speaking of super violent, let's go to Thrill 2 Flesh. Oh, man. And it's a bummer, man, because this is the end of Flesh. Yeah, uh, but it pays some homage, man. Yeah, this is like the epilogue to the Flesh story. It's sad, but don't worry. Flesh will return, I promise. Oh, God. I really hope so. This, yeah. I, I felt this was a pretty, pretty great epilogue it was I, good man i really enjoyed it i and it still retained how awesome flesh is so yeah we see so it's like the it's the morning after the destruction of the trans time base mm. and old one eye is kind of near death but she manages to sort of shrug shrug to life and using the last ounces of her will and she let and along the way sort of killing a bunch of dinosaurs <laughs> yeah just uh, you know, keep the body count growing. Yeah, she makes her way to a uh, to the T Rex graveyard where all the T Rexes instinctually know to die, and so she does of old age. <laughs> yeah, 
She yeah. won. Yeah. So smash cut to like 65 million years later in the 20th <laughs> century. Paleo- a bunch of paleontologists find old one-eyes bones in the graveyard. Oh, God. Like her fossilized skeleton. And after uh, dismissing the seeming human remains in her gullet. Which, weird. Yeah. They uh, set her up in a uh, museum. Like the Natural History Museum in, in London or something. And they have a fundraiser dinner inside her like ribcage. And during the dinner, this um, jerk paleontologist guy is like, that, 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 these dinosaurs aren't so great. Like, yeah. You know, the idea of human cowboys rounding up dinosaurs is preposterous. And besides, uh, dinosaurs evolved into birds, which I think is pretty funny just as a theory to be, so for someone to be saying, even in jest in like 1977, yeah. you know? But so, to prove that dinosaurs aren't that great, the paleontologist climbs into the skeletal, into the fossilized jaws of old one eye. And it's like, look, they aren't that bad. As he sort of climbs among the six inch long teeth and stuff inside the jaw. He messes with it. The jaw comes loose and they snap shut, instantly killing the professor. Yep. (laughs) Even in death, old one eye is triumphant. So amazing. That's how it ends. I and mean, that's with, like the end. Yeah, with the bones of uh, with the bones of old one eye <laughs> taking one last human life, and <laughs> everybody that we know dead or in jail. Yeah, it's good. I think I, I can really lends credence to your theory of um, this whole thing um, um, representing the inevitability of death. Well, yeah, I think so. And not only that, we I mean, we end on bones, right? Like for sure. It's all dead now. Yeah, yeah. No one escapes. <laughs> hey, speaking of no one, favorite thing. One eye's so good, man. <laughs> We're gonna. I don't know if I forget. I don't think old One Eye herself shows up, but as a as the but she'll she's the matriarch of a whole bunch of killer tyrannosauruses that will show up throughout the future of uh, 2000 AD. That is so damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but speaking of there being no escape, let's go to Thrill 3, Shacko! This is, uh, you, you prepared me somewhat for this, but it is so awesome. No one can be prepared for Shacko. It's, <laughs> it's a new thrill! We'll join a CIA controller Jake K. Falmouth, a.k.a. Falmouth, and half-Eskimo nature expert Buck Dollar. As they track the most murderous polar bear ever, Shacko. Shacko will eat your face. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty true. He eats a lot of faces. All the uh, all the thrills in Prague nineteen end with like these little jingle jingles or commercials for Shacko in the next in the next Prague. It's like look out for a new serial, Shacko. So ne- next week, a new story begins in the tradition of flesh. We present Shacko. Then uh, Fox's favorite, I know, uh, Shacko's fur is white as snow, and all his victims die real slow, which is false. <laughs> That's a false statement. They die real fast. <laughs> They're pretty dead pretty quickly. I mean, if he's not biting off your head, he's tearing off your face. It's true. Uh, why is Shacko the world's most wanted monster? Find out next frog. Uh, Mach 1 returns next week with more hyperpower, but Shacko arrives with... Kill power. <laughs> and uh, Shacko makes King Kong look like a pet, a pet chimp. Don't miss it. 
That's uh, that's pretty accurate, though. Yeah. So okay, so here's the scene, Fox. Uh, a CIA a CIA jet crashes in the Arctic, and on its wing is a very important capsule. <laughs> Smart place to put it, of course. Yeah, or it, it just gets knocked off the wing, and who should come to investigate it but a polar bear named Chaco, who thinks it might be food, so he swallows it. <laughs> he then approaches the downed plane. The plane's like... The, the, the three guys in the plane are like, oh my gosh, that bear ate the capsule, what do we do? And uh, Falmouth is like, well, kill the bear then, jeez. So the pilot tries to shoot Shacko in the head, but like just grazes off of it. And then Shacko walks up to this guy and just claws his face off. Yep. Another guy shows up and is about to shoot Shacko, but Shacko eats his head whole. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. And then a third, a third guy who's injured... Um, tries to be friends with Shacko, and Shacko just completely bites his shoulder off. Yep, your blood is tasty. <laughs> and that's like, okay. Falmouth is like, we gotta send some guys out there to kill this bear <laughs> and get this uh, get this capsule. And so they like drive out as Shacko is like wandering the Arctic, killing seals and stuff. Throwing them into the air just to see how they like fly through it before murdering them. <laughs> exactly. They try to. They the uh, the guys in this uh, snowcat try to shoot Shacko, but Shacko runs off and leads them to the thin part of the ice, which cracks under their weight, and everybody inside falls like falls through the ice to their death, death, deaths underwater. And which, again, I really feel like you should know better as people who clearly drive in the Arctic where the thin ice is. Don't nah. They're, they were too busy cackling as they shot at Shacko, man. They were foisted on their ho- own petard. Or hoisted, I forget. Anyhow, the hunt is on for Shacko. <laughs> this was, Next. Uh, oh, please, keep going. Oh, no, go, you, you go, please, go ahead. I just, man, this whole series, it's a lot of this bear murdering a lot of people. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, yeah. ne- seven Next. people so far? Um, yeah. He's just killed, pretty much. Definitely. Definitely in the first comic, he kills, like, at least five people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. In, uh, in the next comic, Shacko just fights a walrus for fun. And then, um... <laughs> there's... Which is apparently a real thing polar bears do, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of, like... It seems like there was a lot of polar bear research that went into this comic, just because they seem to like to give you a lot of polar bear facts, sort of, as things go on, you know? Yeah. Like the playing with the with the walrus or playing with the seal for playing with his food and stuff, and also like covering up his nose so that the it just he, he is camouflaged in the snow, which is the thing he does. Mm-hmm. It's very like I've read a book about polar bears, and now I'm going to in- incorporate that into this comic. <laughs> I mean, it definitely doesn't feel. I mean, it it is you know, hey, learn about polar bears, whatever. But there's a lot of murder there too. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to some kid that likes polar bears as an educational book. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I'm saying that. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Shaco fights a walrus, and then he he, uh, he gets nabbed by a fishing boat that Falmouth and Do- with Falmouth and Dollar aboard. But the crane to hoist Shaco onto the boat is like not secured properly. So Shaco ends up like capsizing the boat. That's <laughs> pretty great. Like drinking the uh, the ship the drunken ship captain's liquor, and then Shaco gets drunk and sort of sloppily eats the uh, the <laughs> sea captain. Dude, it's, 
It's pretty great. Yeah. Afterward, after that, Shaco eats a few a few hunters that are after him. Now there's like a big bounty on Shaco's head, which you know so far has worked real well. I mean, you know, you want that 500 smackers, you got to kill that bear, but you aren't ready for the bear to come up behind you and just swallow your head whole. <laughs> but pretty much, in the, yeah. yeah. In the end, though, um, uh, what's his name? Fuck that. Yeah. Buck Dollar manages to tranquil or manages to, to hit Shaco with a tranquilizer dart, and Shaco goes down. We also learned that the inside the capsule is a killer um, virus that whoever controls yeah. will rule the world because the virus is so powerful. Which you know, maybe carry it inside the plane next time is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but, right. But Shaco is tranquilized and. Uh, Dollar takes it to, like, a clinic to get the, the capsule removed surgically without having to kill Shacko. Because Dollar keeps trying to, like, keep Shacko alive and be like, oh, he's a majestic animal and we shouldn't kill it. But, like, Shacko's killed for real, like, like <laughs> eight people at this point. It's a lot. Like, Not to that's mention, a, like, a couple of doctors and staff. Yeah, well, because then he wakes up on the operating table and he kills, like, five people in the hospital, in, in, <laughs> in the clinic where they're, they're operating on him. And an arm. Yeah, and then the culmination is that he ends up uh, uh, biting off Falmouth's right arm. As Falmouth says, he's taken my gun arm, my killing arm. I'm half a man now. <laughs> Just my favorite. Which is my favorite thing. I'm only half a man. Because <laughs> I can't shoot a gun with my gun hand. Exactly. Yeah, so... But, like, if a polar bear killed one dude, people would try to, like, the, the Forest Service would try to kill it, you know? Yeah. Like, let alone the now at least, like, 11 dudes that he's killed at the end of these procs. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a really, really great thrill. I especially <laughs> liked it when, uh, uh, very heavy quotation marks, Buck Dollar uses his Eskimo magic. <laughs> Yeah, when he stares down Shacko, and there's just like this big panel that's just his eyes and the bear eyes flashing back and forth. <laughs> and the bear blinks first. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, you know, it's it's ham as hell, but this was a damn fine proc. It's good, Thrilling. man. Thrilling. Sh- yeah, Sh- Sh- Shacko is pretty awesome, and he will destroy you. Like breaking through the ice. <laughs> Like, below you so that he can kill you. Yeah, he'll do it indirectly or directly. He doesn't care. (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, move on to our next one, I guess. Thrill for Harlem Heroes. Oh, yes. So this time we continue the match against uh, Gorgon's Gargoyles. Where Mm -hmm. the... And you'll you'll remember, Fox, that the star player for the Gargoyles has been replaced by murderous cyborg... um, Gruber? Yep. Artie Gruber? Yeah. And so we also ended with Gruber having put like a limpet mine on, on the game ball and mm. basically thrown it directly to Giant. So Giant would get the game ball, would steal the ball and then try to go to score, but then blow up and stuff. But it turns out that instead, uh, red shirt Harlem hero Dale grabs the ball <laughs> instead and gets blown up real good. Yep. And as red shirts do, he does explode. It's true. So now with two players having died in this game, uh, they offer for the, the the heroes to just quit the match, but they say, no, we're going to fight on. 
and they start playing real tough, like um, getting really angry and trying to do like physical harm to the gargoyles instead of scoring points. Yeah. Much to the delight of the mysterious dude in the Dr. Claw chair uh, watching the uh, game being played. Because they start fighting amongst themselves. Yeah, that's true. Because like, Giant's like, hey guys, we gotta play, not just kill these guys. They're like, hey, but they killed two of our dudes. We gotta get yeah. revenge. Come on, man. And uh, that leads us to the next prog. Yeah, in the next prog, then Lewis, the, uh, the brain in the jar member of the team, flies out and tries to calm everybody down and reveals that one of the gargoyles may in fact be Gruber. Gruber is soon revealed and pulls out a grenade, threatening both teams. Luckily, in the prog after that, a key peg to the face reveals Gruber to be reveals Gruber for who he really is, and the gargoyles like grab him and they all power dive into the floor of the arena, like yep. trying to commit suicide to take Gruber out as well. Although it doesn't work, um, Gruber yep. survives and again swears revenge against the heroes as they head to Tokyo to face their next opponents, the Bushido Blades. Yeah, and it's this is this is a rough match. This is uh, it's a little intense. <laughs> yeah, in in Tokyo, the heroes find uh find their playing greeted by a hostile crowd, as well as by a uh, Ulysses Cord, their sort of semi financial benefactor, who offers them uh new equipment, which is like like spiked gear and like weapons and things like that. But they say, no, we play clean, call darn it. Yep, and then they shove the money back in his face on a knife. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, we learn that the Bushido Blades wear, like, full samurai armor and, and wield a wooden kendo stick. Sti- or wooden kendo kendo swords yeah. when, they, uh, when they fight. <clears throat> and, man, just the announcing for this whole match is super... This whole situation ends up being super pretty racist, really. Like they refer yeah. to the, they they refer to them as a, as a Japs constantly and stuff. It's it's no good. It's uh, yeah, they're kamikazes. They um, they like worry. Like, they do about so about like uh, like my honor has been besmirched and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of just over racist stuff, which I wasn't really expecting out of this comic. Yeah, you wouldn't think that a, <clears throat> a, a comic that's officially about like an, an all uh, black team would also be racist against other people. Like yeah. it seems weird. Um, I mean, so fast forward through all like the really weird racist stuff, like a dude killing himself because he didn't score points. And then uh, another guy killing himself so that they could um, bring on re- replacement players instead of being on, instead of the heroes being on a power play, basically. Yeah. Um, the, so ba- basically the, we finish the progs with the blades up 2-1 versus the heroes. And we end with Lewis, the uh, again, the brain in the jar member of the team, doing some kind of psychic wh- uh, mind whammy on Ulysses' cord <laughs> to reveal some kind of secret. What kind of secret? Uh, we'll, we'll see in a later prog, I guess. I don't know. I, it, it's, the, it's the cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> so Lewis now has psychic powers <laughs> yeah well i mean you know when you're a brain in a jar you got to do something it's like how if you're blind you develop all your other senses you know <laughs> but if you don't have any senses because you're a brain in a jar you develop mental powers this is pretty obvious to me fox i don't know <laughs> like that's that's just the math buddy uh, uh, all right <laughs> 
Anyhow, that's, that's uh, all right. Fair let's <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to non thrills, covers, and so forth. Oh yeah. So this month, all the pro- so this month, all the uh, all the progs had what they what they what they're calling super covers. Yeah. Which which means that instead of sort of being a cover that's based on the action in that month in in that week's uh, prog, it's instead of a, like one shot science fiction story. So. Prague 19 is about a war robot during World War 10 that has developed emotions and acquired a pet dog. And we sort of see this robot holding his pet dog in the middle of this war zone. And he looks really sad. And it's like, ah, oh, poor robot, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to, wants to take, he just wants to hug his puppy. But instead he, he's crying as there's explosions all around him. It's, uh, it's pretty, like, cute. This was... Uh, like one that I just took a second to read. And I think you had commented on the fact that these were like possibly an outlet for their writers to just kind of do something. Yes. They feel like a way to just sort of like test out some story ideas or Mm -hmm. like, be like, Oh, you know, like here's something I've been thinking about. Let's just sort of toss it, you know, toss a little bit of art on it and, and, and write a short story about it. You know? Yeah. seems pretty neat. Yeah. The second one in Prague 20 is basically about a guy that, uh, gets turned into a black hole. Oh, God. And then just kind of, like, sucks everything up around him and stuff. The, the story looks kind of, The picture looks kind of cool because it's, it's, it's like a, a black cutout of a guy with, like, a star field in his body and then everybody, everything being pulled into him, like, people holding on to things and being lifted up into the air as they're being pulled towards him and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in, Prague 20, in Prague 21, uh, Tharg apologizes because um, they've had to raise the price of the comic to nine pence. Nine Ooh. pence! So much money. Which is like 20, it's like 20 cents of mm. Earth of a U.S. money at the time. Earth money. Well, they say it's nine pence Earth money on the thing, so that was what got me, got me messed up. It's all good. Um, and the super cover there is apparently in Space War 3, a, uh, a rogue missile went flying to some other alien um, world. Oh, God. And now, and now, because of that, those aliens are about to fly back to Earth and take us down instead. It's an all-out war. Exactly. In uh, Prague 22, there's a bunch of letters from kids saying that they love Walter the Robot, and those, oh. kids, are te- those kids are terrible. <laughs> all right. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know. Like, Theodore and some 2080 reader from London... Um, I'm not pleased. <laughs> no. I just have no taste. Although I did like Mutant on the Metro. I did read that. This is yeah. super sad, kind of, but also creepy story. The cover, yeah, the cover is just like some crazy alien gets transported to uh, the Metro. Yeah, and he's like, oh, God, like, what is this? Uh, people don't like him. He doesn't want to be there either. He just kind of lives in the uh, tube tunnels for the rest of his life. Yep. It's sad. It's, it is sad. <laughs> And then the last one in Prague 23 is a uh, guy gets a plague from Pluto, which is basically uh, uh, little dudes kind of grow out of your skin and then try to kill you. It's uh, pretty much the most gruesome thing. Yeah. Don't uh, don't get the Pluto plague, guys. It's, it's body horror at its worst. <laughs> pretty accurate. So let's move on to uh, Thrill 5, Dan Dare. This one's getting kind of maybe good. Yeah, when we let so it's, it's it's doing okay. I think I'm not yeah. I'm not mad at Dan Dare. Dan Dare is a fine guy. All right, 
When we last left uh, Rock, the Dogman, and Dan Dare, they were escaping from the hollow planet in the Mekon ship, right? Is uh, It's like a space cruiser or something like that. Is yeah, it's a, it's a weird alien ship. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, looks like a pill. Yeah, as they escape, they like check the, the ship's computer memory banks. Oh, yeah. And they, and they find the Mekon's plan. Which is apparently that he will um, implant a bomb in- inside the two of the raft, like the alien space dude, mm-hmm. who, which was apparently once two dudes, but they were previously surgically attached or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, it's like a punishment. Yeah, but so he'll send the uh, he'll send the bomb implanted two out to get captured, and then when they're held trial by the Galactic Council bomb will go off, taking out the leadership of the Galactic Council. It's sort of a designated survivor kind of situation. Yeah, kind of. It. I mean, so this is like he, he kept playing up this plan, and this is his plan, and his plan's not, like, super great. Yeah, I mean, it's usually working. He uh, he manages to hypnotize the Mekon, or the, uh, the two of Arath, into yep. heading out and attacking a space liner and then getting captured real quickly. This time with a mouthy mother instead of a mouthy child. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's actually very similar. Tur- the the tourist liner they attack is a very similar situation to the uh, tourist train in Flesh, honestly. Yeah, some really intense parallels here. Yeah, but uh, so the two is captured, and the Mekon, realizing that Dan, Dare, and Rock have, heard, have read all these plans, tries to kill them uh, re- re- remotely aboard the ship, but fails. Mm-hmm. But now the ship has no means of communication, so they'll never get word to the council in time. <laughs> Except then, for Morse code. Yeah, because in the next prog, they go to the council homeworld, and they come under fire until they're able to uh, use the ship's exhaust to spell DD in Morse code and sort of get them to get the uh, council to stop shooting at them, basically. And then they once again have to just punch their way through their friends. Yeah, uh, on the ground, no one believes like the plan, the uh, the evil scheme. So Rock and Dan Dare have to take the uh, base commander Tremaine hostage and then fight their way to the council, uh, taking down a bunch of deadly death robots as they do. By the way, his mustache is amazing. Tremaine's got a fantastic mustache. It's a it's a handlebar mustache that extends beyond his face and it's just luxurious and magnificent. <laughs> it's so <laughs> perfect. But they managed to take down the big robots mostly because of Rock's laser sword, which is able to like kneecap the robots pretty um, effectively. Hooray! When, not lightsaber. Exactly. <laughs> but when they when they arrive, they find they meet the all-knowing, all-seeing uh, personification of the council who apparently evolved to pure thought, so the Mekon's plan couldn't have even worked because they don't have bodies anymore, and they kind of know all and see all. And they've, like, decided to let, to, like, deprogram the two of Arath and let him escape to go get revenge on the Mekon. And Dan Dare's like, you can't just let him go. Like, I'm going after him. Yeah. And, and as Tremaine's like, hey, you can't let him just go. You gotta stop him. You gotta stop Dan Dare. He learns that, like, no, this is all part of the plan. Which, you know... Just seems like a lot of really weird-headed people making plans, and all it is is just people with bombs in their stomachs. So. It's true. 
So on the ship with the two of Arath, uh, Dan Dare manages to punch the two into agreeing to take down the Mekon. And um, they do the oldest trick in the book where um, Dan Dare and Rock get tied up and pretend to be prisoners as uh, the Mekon brings them in <laughs> to see the Mekon. And then there's fighting, basically. Works every time, man. Yeah. We learn, we, we, we learn that the, uh, the Skash mercenaries that... Mekon was counting to be his army, you know, are actually loyal to the two of Arath, so they turn, have the uh, army, the uh, you know, their mercenaries turn on the Mekon, and it's a double cross. Good times. Hey, man, don't mess with the two. I mean, I, yeah. you know, it seems kind of like they were homies, so yeah. they're not just murderous, slug people with mouths on their stomach. No, they kind of have an idea of who's their buddy and who's been there for the long haul, you know? Mm-hmm. But all this leads to the climax, with where there's a lot of running and gunning through the uh, corridors of the Hollow Planet base, and it kind of culminates in Dan and Rock flying away as the planet is destroyed in a huge star quake. It's just like a horrible end to a whole lot of weird slug people. It's very abrupt end, and then <clears throat> the Mekon and the two of Arath are stuck inside some sort of impenetrable force field, where they'll float for the end of time in the wreckage of the planet. Which, I mean, in like a standoff, basically. Yeah, but that's sort of the, that's the end of Dan Dare for now. It will, it will be sort of, it's going to take a hiatus and get some retooling done. And we'll be back in like, I think, uh, September or something like that. Yeah. In a month or two. So we're, we're free of Dan Dare for the, uh, in the progs for the immediate future. Hooray. Which, you know, I'm, I'm fairly happy about. It was yeah. getting all right, you know. But I'm interested just, in just, I'm interested in new thrills. I, um, exactly, I, you know, we can drop some of these current thrills and, and still have a good comic. I think oh, I'm yeah. ready for new stuff. Speaking of, speaking of Thrill Six Mach One, uh, uh, Mach, yeah, Mach One's basically more of the same, though it's starting to get really like uncomfortably racist now. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> the first um, one is like Dan Dare's on some island in the Pacific where um, work like British workers are being attacked by what turns out to be a Japanese soldier who still thinks World War II is going on. Because, of course. Yeah. Uh, Mach 1 basically tosses him around and is way better than him but um, and tries to get him to surrender, but the guy says refuses to surrender and commits seppuku instead, which is tough. Yeah, because that would also happen, right? Yeah. Then the, the next story is actually in sort of something mirroring the Harlem Heroes this week, or, or, the, or this month. Uh, the British Prime Minister arrives in Japan to find a bunch of protesters and assassination attempts and stuff. So Pro, uh, John Probe has to team up with Michael Kahn, a top Japanese agent, to uh, stop a, a bullet train-based assassination attempt. Yeah, yeah. also kind of... I mean, then, it's yeah. it's really hard for me to make a comment right now because it's like, oh no, we see. Look, we're cool. He's got a Japanese friend. <laughs> nah, it's not. It's rough. These are rough. These are rough comics. Yeah, that's why it's better when we move on to a uh, probe investigating this Howard Hughes type rich guy. Thank you. Who it turns out is a uh, staying alive by sucking the life out of various famous athletes and sports guys. Which you know, that you know, weird. I don't see why it's his business, honestly. <laughs> he pays yeah. them. He says he pays them. It's and and well, because he had gone because they had just gone missing or whatever. Yeah, that's true. 
So he's like, oh, I've got to find these guys. Turns out he's sucking out people's life juice. <laughs> um, but they're cool with it because they're docile. Yeah, but so, then but then the rich guy tries to suck out pr- uh, Probe's life juice, and that's no good. <laughs> he's a mock man, not yeah. the battery. So he escapes and, um, you know, destroys the machine and all that stuff. Takes some time to ro- romance the rich guy's niece for a second. And then escapes driving a sweet dune buggy with a Porsche engine. All right. <laughs> oh, and then it explodes. Yeah, well, of course. And then a bunch of guys chase after him and they run into an, ele- an electric fence and it kills them all because the fence is, de- is electrified to deadly levels. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, they just... And, uh, all right. I, we gotta... <laughs> Ah, this next one's horrible. The next one's <laughs> so, bad, too, because some kind of, like, Arab or, like, Bedouin guy is using native superstitions to slow down local British oil drilling. Uh, probe investigates, sl- saves a slave girl, gets buried alive, and then digs his way to freedom, like, underground. Because he's and also then, a mole man. Of course. And then the evil guy gets uh, eaten by his own pet cheetah, which is pretty awesome. So awesome, but also, I mean, my God, they just like the big strong man and everyone in the turban, just like, oh my God, he's got the power of a bull, and and they worship like these na- these gaslights that probe manages to reestablish or something like that. Yeah, because you know, and whatever. Said, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the last one is uh, a British spy plane has gone down behind Russian lines, and. <laughs> Probe takes a glider in. He managed to save both the spy film and the pilot. He takes out a Russian patrol and he punches like fifty wolves <laughs> and in like the process. Takes over a tree and well, he's got he's got a clear space for the runway, bro. So he's got to kick down a bunch of trees and clear out the area and stuff. See this, other than like the weird amounts of dog harm going on, like you, like I mean, I said fifty, but like seriously. He punches at least ten wolves. It's and then like gnarly. throws the wolves at the Russians. Yeah. So like this, this just starts to feel like old Mach One. Like his his mission is like, hey, you know, they have like the old guy who is his boss. Like, if you can't get that guy back, don't worry about it. Just murder him because then that way, you know, the secrets are protected. Yeah. He feels like, nah, man, I'm not gonna let that guy die, and he doesn't. Um, and he does a lot of cool stuff where he punches wolves, I guess, and throws them at things, but also... He karate you know, chops them, too. It's awesome. It's really, like... It, there's just so much wanton destruction in this. Anyway. Yeah. It's okay, but, yeah, there's a lot of uncomfortable parts in this, uh, in the Mach 1s this month, which makes it really tough. Yeah. But let's move on to something else that's really tough. Thrill 7, Judge Dredd. So awesome. This yeah. month, like, really, really great stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of good world building and, like, just sort of the powers and abilities of a judge in this, um, mm. in this, mu- in, in this month's progs of, of, of Judge Dredd. We start sorry. off with... Yeah, go ahead. Oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, we start off with actually a pretty classic story called uh, Mugger's Moon, which is pretty well... Like, it's a er- good early one. It's basically like, you know... It's a full moon, so there's going to be a lot of crime tonight. We see mm. this guy getting um, attacked by, like, a gang of muggers. And he, like, runs to a nearby car to, like, beg for help. But the guy in the car just drives off. Luckily, yeah. Judge Dredd shows up just in time and kills all the dudes. 
using, and we see the first appearance of uh, the Heat Seeker bullets for his Lawgiver pistol. Which are so awesome, even yeah, when he's crawling into a garbage can it finds them. Yeah, they like go around corners and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. And of um, course, like this guy, having been rescued by the judge, he pulled the tailpipe off of the dude's car. Yeah, and, because he was he yeah. was he was begging the guy to save him as the guy drove off. He like was like holding on to the car, like please no, don't leave me. So he pulls up part of the car's tailpipe, which is important which, because then Judge Dredd finds the car to like yell at the guy for not helping his fellow citizen. And the guy's like, hey, I'm not required by law to help anybody, whatever. You don't got nothing on me, I'm clean. And Judge Dredd is like, that's true, except right now your car is uh, polluting. It's got something wrong with its muffler. And he's like, oh, man, but that's because that guy pulled it off my car. You can't charge me for that. And Judge Dredd is like, I do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the law. He and he arrests the guy, and he blows up the guy's car. And that's <laughs> so great. that's good justice. That's quality justice. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and drives away not smiling, because he had to dispense the law. Of course not. That's his thing. <laughs> In the next prog, we meet uh, Judge, Dredd, Judge Dredd's informant who'll show up, up, up periodically. Uh, Max Normal, who's this guy who wears a 1970s-style pinstripe suit and kind of talks funny. I like him he's, a lot. <laughs> he's kind of like, yeah, he's just kind of this character that's like dressing like in, in, in an old style way among the city of the future. Everybody has like knee pads and like colored coats and stuff. Giving get some like back chat from uh, Judge Dredd. Like, why don't you dress like a normal person? Be, be cool, Judgy. Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that there's an illegal comic book smuggling ring. Oh, I love this. That Max Normal says tipping him off to. So, Dredd and a bunch of uh, and a bunch of other judges uh, take down the ring. Judge uh, Dredd uses a combination of a heat seeker and ricochet bullets. So cool. He tells he lets them know uh, gunplay don't pay. <laughs> and so you know, heat seekers follow the heat of the human body, but ricochet bullets just go in a room and bounce around until they hit somebody. Basically. It's really great. Anyhow, they recover the uh, illegal comics, and it turns out, hey, they're old uh, 2000 AD F uh, issues. Hooray. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, man, this stuff's amazing. <laughs> These are great comics. You kids are lucky. <laughs> <laughs> In the next one, uh, a bad guy named Gorilla is killing judges with a solar-powered solar gun. Uh, he calls out Judge Dredd, and Dredd arranges for the sky to be cloudy when he confronts him so the solar gun doesn't work. Oh, God. And then real irony happens. Yeah, he ends up chasing Gorilla into some building and trapping him in a room that turns out to be the capsule for a spaceship that is then launched on a three-year journey around the around the sun. So, I hope you pack sunscreen, buddy. Dude, the worst case of sunburn ever. We should keep an eye out. I forget if he does in, like, 1980 if this guy comes back. Oh, man. You got to think long term with these comics, Fox. It's gonna oh, happen. Oh my god! I forget if he does or not, so I don't want to. I don't want to play it up too much. But it could I happen mean, if, if it happens. And because uh, I'll forget, I'll forget, and uh, like mark my words, you'll tell me, and I'll be like, "What?" And you'll be like, "Remember the guy who had to got shot in the sun?" And be like, "Oh, what?" I'll try to keep an eye out for it, honestly. But that's gonna if that happens, it's gonna come on like in like episode like forty or something. So we might all miss it. Uh, no worries. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the next one 
is Judge Dread is a Dread tracks the leader of a murder gang. <laughs> the the funny part in this one is uh, initially he takes down most of the gang, and one guy is like, and the one surviving guy is like, "Oh, Judge Dread, you gotta lighten my sentence. Uh, I'll get forty years if you don't say anything." And Judge Dredd is like, "Okay, I'll tell me where the." Uh, with the gang leader is, I'll lower your sentence. He's like, all right. Like, he's over, blah, 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 blah. Judge Dredd is like, all right. You'll, you'll now serve uh, 39, <laughs> instead of 40 years, you'll serve 39 years, 364 days. He gave him one day off for helping the us. the cubes. <laughs> so Judge Dredd hunts down the gang leader guy. It turns out to be like a bat kind of mutant, like no eyes and like big bat ears and stuff. And they can definitely hear things. Yeah, so Judge Dredd uses a bunch of ex- of his uh, explosive bullets on rapid fire to distract the gang leader, and then he punches him right in the face and arrests him. It's uh, it's really just awesome. Like you, <laughs> all of these different like bullet types that you get to be exposed to, and I think they're really starting to play up. Uh, I guess his superpowerishness. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time we've really seen them use different the different. Um, ammo types in his, mm-hmm. in, in, in his lawgiver, which will become sort of a big part of the Judge Dredd superpower. I mean, we see it in both the movies, for instance. Like, that's a big thing that gets carried over, the different bullet types that they yeah. have. And we're introduced to the fact that he's got a giant rifle. <laughs> well, we, I think we saw that one earlier, but it's definitely yeah. there, for sure. I love that thing. <laughs> so we learn, finally, that smoking is illegal on the street in Mega City 1. And a bunch of smokers have just robbed a bank. Judge Dredd's able to track them down to a specific tobacconist somewhere in Mega City 1. And then he ambushes the crooks by, by, by pretending to be a cigar store Indian. <laughs> Which, great. He takes most of them out, but he chases one of them into a building that turns out to be the city smokatorium. The one place where people can smoke legally in Mega City 1. But it's so full of smoke you have to wear a gas mask in there to smoke. It's ridiculous. And the guy comes like running out like, oh, the smokatorium's worse than tear gas. And Judge Dredd shoots him right in the face. So great. <laughs> but oh, that's man. it. That, that's it for the prog this week, Fox. Exciting adventures. I know. And it, it's it, this is what's crazy. Unlike most um, of the issues that we've covered, I mean, this month was a lot. There's a lot of really good stories this time. Yeah, I mean, like all the a lot of the continuing progs really finding their stride, mm -hmm. and then Shaco is real strong out of the gate. Also, I mean, like right out. I I guess, like, do you want to talk top and bottom? Yeah, let's talk. uh, What's your top? What's your top thrill for this month, uh, Box? I mean, it's really hard. So, here's my dilemma. Mm -hmm. Um, For the first time ever, I think Harlem Heroes loses points for being, you know, just a little racist. Mm. Um, which I wasn't super used to. That said, you know, they are world-building and things. It's, it was actually very entertaining, um, yeah. especially, like, that Lewis now has psychic brain powers. <laughs> We've seen some hints of it before, but, yeah, now he's definitely coming into his own as a brain in a jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really hitting that brain in a jar arc. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, you get some more Ulysses Court action and stuff like that, but... It's not really making top. It's certainly yeah. not bottom. Oh, wait, wait. I have one question for you for Harlem Heroes, by the way. Oh, sure. Who, who do you think is the mysterious guy um, in, in, in the chair? I mean, I'm going to guess Ulysses Court. You know who I think it is? And I who seriously forget who it actually is, so I don't know. All right. I think it's, I bet it's Lewis. 
Oh, interesting. Although he's got a hand in stuff, but there's just there's only a couple characters that we've seen so far. So unless the guy in the chair is some mysterious third like new character, it's got to be Cord or Lewis. So we'll see. I guess that's Those a very interesting. They're the only two characters who aren't accounted for. You know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And they both kind of show up at times that would make you think one is like kind of good and one's kind of bad. They yeah. could be going for a switch, which would really elevate this comic a lot. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, honestly, the, the cynic in me makes me think that the guy who's trying to be good is actually being bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, we are, we are sort of um, people of like this new era of comics, which is, you know, kind of about that. So yeah. maybe, maybe this will be more conventional. I'm hoping it has a little bit of a twist like that because it makes some sense. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll get there eventually, hopefully. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously Flesh is departed, so I can't really make a comment. Other Mm -hmm. than that, um, I really do feel that it is a death allegory in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I really liked the people who wrote for this. I really loved the artwork. Um, This is possibly one of, like, the strangest things I've ever read in terms of comics. (laughs) Again, like, don't read too many of them. Um, But it's also highly enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Really good stuff in here. Um, I kind of suggest that people just pick it up if you can buy, like, online issues or anything like that. Um, Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, so what do you... So Okay, so seriously, top three, what do you got, Fox? Okay, so top three... (laughs) Sorry, so Invasion and uh, Shaco. Like, what the F? I don't know which one to choose. It is very difficult for me to do so. Invasion continues to be so thrilling and i never just give it its like moment as top thrill but <laughs> i feel like you know when you have presence at the gate the way that shako does you he killed a lot of people yeah like, man he killed he killed a uh uh you know an invasion amount of people <laughs> so um that i it's very i can't decide but those are my two i that's i and if i really have to pick one you know i'll i'll go with invasion all right i thought invasion was really good too man i think if it like the problem is like i don't i always forget what's going to happen in a lot of these because i was sort of when i read 2080 the first time some things i kind of skipped through to kind of just rejudge dread or i'd um you know it all sort of blend together and stuff right now so i don't i don't remember exactly what happens in a lot of these but man if 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 invasion just becomes like a travelogue of famous sites in England, and then Bolgons are killed at those famous sites, I'm going to be so stoked. <laughs> it's really great, and it really feels like it's doing that right now as they go kind of yeah. on their little murder like to, holiday. Like when they showed up at, at a sharding, at a, wait, what was that place called? Hold on. When they showed up at um, at a Sandringham, and I and, and I looked that up, and that was a real place. I was like, oh my gosh! Like if they just go to like all the landmarks in mainland England and blow things up and shotgun Volgans around them. <laughs> I'm going to be so, so freaking stoked. That's so exciting to me. Yeah. So, it, uh, yeah. So this new chapter for this new chapter for invasion is, is really exciting, but Shaco is really blowing my socks off too. It's so dumb. This idea <laughs> of just like, we're going to take out this polar bear, but you know, the thing about all these 2000 AD comics is that all these guys are sort of invulnerable and just do what they want, basically, and kill <laughs> and kill people who get in their way. And the fact and that's like the superpower of every 2000 AD main character. 
And so to have that superpower now be given to like a polar bear is so awesome. <laughs> and feels so like subversive for just like 20 issues into this like 2000 issue comic book. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Yeah. And, and <laughs> they're still like, like they, they're starting to perfect their ability to write these stories that are sort of pro- that, that have progress to them. Right. This is a great replacement for flesh. Um, I do like that, you know, for instance, Flesh ended, Shaco uh, will probably have its own end. Yeah. But um, this is, like, just really, really good. Um, uh, and so what I mean by stakes is Buck Dollar, as an example, you know, he, he keeps trying to help this bear, which increasingly does not seem like the right idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, at some point, like, you got to kill this bear, man. It's kind of a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, and like, yeah, just really not great ways to die either. Mostly head injuries. Yeah, he definitely. Shaco's big move is to kind of swallow your head and crack your skull open with his teeth. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing about Shaco is that they show all these kill. Like, mm. there's very. I think there's one like cutaway kill mm, where yeah, yeah. you just sort of see Shaco dancing on someone and hear hear their death cry. A lot of times. You just see, like, some dude's shoulders and their head inside Shaco's mouth or Shaco's claws, like, pulling on somebody's face or something like that. It's crazy. It's really violent. and <laughs> But not, not, not gory. You know, it's not like you're seeing a bunch of eyes being ripped from sockets. I think the only reason it's not gory is because it's black and white. Like, I I agree. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if we could see all the blood that's going on in the Shaco story, you, you would not say it was not gory. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he cracks people open. Yeah. All right. So what's your what's your bottom thrill box? Oh, well, geez, I I, I mean Mach One. I mean mm-hmm. I I can't really like it. Dan Dare is fine now, which is great. Um, Judge Dredd, which you know I didn't mention. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about after this, but. Sure. Um, Mach 1 was horrible, except for the last, um, except for Prague 23. And yeah. it's just super racist, and like maybe it has some things going on in it, but it never really truly progresses. I, I listened back to, um, I think, our, our pre- one of our previous episodes, and you had mentioned, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm really tired of Mach 1 not having um, like a storyline like the rest yeah. of these books do. Well, uh, yeah, my bottom's Mach 1, too, and I think for, I kind of figured out what I think the problem is, and it's that he's got actual superpowers, I think. Like, he's actually, like, got the strength of 50 men and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it means that we basically, at this point, like, we've, we've seen 23 Mach 1 stories. Um, we've basically seen the extent of his powers. Like, we, we kind of know what he can do, you know? Yeah. And... And the fact that it's just sort of like, all right, well, I'm just super strong and super tough, so I win the day. It's it's it makes it less exciting because we know that he's this Superman, you know, mm. in a way that is different for pretty much all the other uh, thrills, where they're mostly if trained guys like Judge Dredd, but still basically regular guys. Like Judge Dredd's like a, a regular person, you know, he's not like a super powered person. Yeah, you know, I mean, Bill Bill Savage is, isn't. I mean. <laughs> They're they're essentially in the literal sense. Yeah, they aren't. I mean, they're essentially superpowered because Mm -hmm. you know they can't. Apparently, they can't be killed and they can kill everybody else. But they don't have literal superpowers. There isn't something that's actually making them be that way. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And so, because of Mach 1's explicit superpowers, it lowers the stakes of a lot of his um, stories. Well, and, and, and he's got no continuity stakes to go for. Yeah, and then there's no like larger thing looming over him yeah. that not even his super you know not even his superpowers could overcome theoretically or something like that. It yeah. just means like okay, so like Mach One shows up, he just kind of punches everything out or does everything really well and is the best, and then um, you know wins basically, and that's rough in terms of just yeah. being an, ex- an exciting story. And then when you combine it with these settings that are like explicitly like kind of racist and, and make me feel kind of oogie to read about them, mm-hmm. <laughs> like if the, the two things kind of combine to just make it like, okay, Mach one, like <laughs> I <laughs> need you to be better. Needs yeah. to like go home and go to sleep. Yeah. Whereas like Dan Dare, I feel like they've made some efforts to kind of change the character of Dan Dare to make him be a little bit more exciting and stuff. Well, that's what's I mean, weird. Uh, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just we've also seen the end. Like, Dan Dare is going to be is. I'm pretty sure Dan Dare will, will, will be fairly different when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Where they're 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 retooling him a bit for when he comes back in a, in a in a in a month or two. So that'll be interesting to see as well. Yeah. But of all the one, I I gotta put Mach One on in the bottom just because. Yeah. I need it to do more. I need it to be better. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I need there to be like some stakes and some more conflicts as opposed to just sort of things that Mach 1 can play the $600 man sound and then jump over. You know what I mean? Well, and, and he's what I find funny is he has become the milk toast of these progs and he started like out the gate really strong and interesting. And I think yeah. you're right. It is well, the fact we, we've that just seen all the tools in his tool. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh no, we, we just we just also seen all the tools in his toolbox now. You know, when we were yeah. getting all the new stuff that he could do in the first, you know, five or ten stories about him, that was really good. But now it's kind of like, all right, like we've seen that part. Like I need to see more stuff, or I need them to see them in a new, um, in a new way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Just super boring and yeah. racist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really those are the two main flaws I got to say that we're seeing. Of how things so, could be bad in 2000 AD. Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk a bit about Judge Dredd. And, yeah. and only in that, like, you know, we haven't, I don't think, except for maybe one or two times, really voted this in as, like, a, a thing, like a big, uh, yeah. or, or top top thrill, right? Um, yeah. Not since Call Me Kenneth, certainly. <laughs> and I really enjoy this still. It's just, uh, I think it's still finding its footwork. Um it's certainly um, introducing yeah. powers at this point. Yeah, for me, Judge Dredd feels like a really good, like, middle-of-the-road thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. not as ridiculous as Flesh or Shacko. Um, like, sort of Dredd and Harlem Heroes are these two, are, are my two stalwarts. You know, they're like, sort yeah. of, fill the book and do great stuff. Honestly, I'm not too... Like, the thing about Judge Dredd is I don't want to be... Honestly, I'm I'm willing to kind of, like, look at look down my nose and feel like, oh, this isn't the best Judge Dredd yet, you know. We're going to have, we're going to have 2,000 progs. We've got, like, now, um, like, 1,900 and, 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 like, and, and like 73 or, or 77 uh, stories that are going to prominently feature Judge Dredd. <laughs> All right, awesome. And that's, and that's not even counting, like, the Judge Dredd magazine 
and all the uh, annuals and all that stuff. We could be, if Judge Dredd doesn't like blow you away, it's okay if Judge Dredd isn't your thrill of the month. There's going to be awesome Judge Dredd stories. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know... Um, like, I want to get in on, on lauding something like Shaco or Invasion while I can, because... Like, they might not last forever. In, in Prague, you know, we get to Prague 100, and we aren't going to hear from a lot of those guys for a while, if ever again. You know. Oh man, that's really too bad. I will. I God gush about Shaco and yeah, gush about because invasion. because Shaco is like a forgotten gem of 2000 AD. Honestly, like they came <sighs> out, they like put they like put the whole thing in a graphic novel. I think like two years ago, or a, you know, maybe four in like a couple years ago. And all the reviews were like, sort of, ah, oh, this like forgotten classic of two of the early days of 2000 AD, you know, <laughs> just a bear murder. Well, uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. <laughs> I don't no, know what to tell you. Don't disagree. Like, like once we get like, through this, I'm gonna try and pick that up because you had yeah. sent me the link on Amazon, I think, and I really yeah. want to grab it. Like, like it's it's bear murder does not belie the fact that it's like an excellent story, you know. But yeah, it, like That's it true. came out in 2002. You look at it on. Um, unlike Amazon and there's like no reviews for it or anything. It's just, it's just kind of a a forgotten story, you know, Um, which is too bad because it's awesome. And it's got bears killing people and stuff. And that's all. And that's good. (laughs) And 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 we're going to, the story is compelling enough. I just, you know, for, for them pitching this thing is like 2000 AD is the thrilling comic book, right? Like (laughs) they kind of, they're nailing it right now. And this is a completely new story. Yeah, it's super fun. I think, like, Shaq, yeah, we're going to see a bunch, like, you know, I keep telling you this sort of um, outside of the show, but we're just really in, in such early days for this comic. There's going to be so much, there's so much cool stuff coming, and the fact that this early stuff is good, I think, is really, really heartens me, because I was worried that we'd have to, like, slog through a bunch of thrills that we wouldn't find, that we wouldn't find to be very fun. Yeah. <laughs> before we get to the to, to the awesome stuff um mm-hmm. but i'm glad that isn't the case like i'm glad that we're we're really enjoying invasion and shaco and harlem heroes and judge dread and all that stuff well i think that this is what you i i imagine that they have more continuity stories like um as we go further on yeah and it really seems that that's sort of their primary focus right like i yeah. can see mach one fading out fairly quickly soon. yeah there's definitely a big move towards Content to, to stories where it's it's always a cliffhanger and it's always the next something new next week and a, mm. away from sort of one you know adventure of the week sort of comics. Yeah, and I think that helps writers and you and artists sort of find it right. So mm-hmm. as and I can hear it from you right now. You're just super excited about reading what's like coming up in the future. That just tells yeah. me that they've like they kept kind of perfecting what they were doing throughout this time. Yeah, I mean, I love these. Um, don't get me wrong, I love this current stuff too. Because a lot of these comics are really fun and are really like, mm-hmm. like just like popcorn kid stuff where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my god, look at that guy, we blew that. He killed those guys the Vogue layer, man. It he was like, awesome. <laughs> he just tarred them to death. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but it's just you know, yeah. It's fun. This is good stuff, honestly. And like, even as we chip away at this giant mountain, it's good to know that even the initial pebbles that we're pulling out are still really good comics, you know? I I just gotta say, um, shovel to the neck. I now know that is a viable move. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Yep.
<laughs> I hope you everyone enjoyed the show this week. Uh, feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And tune in next week as we take a break from, week, from the weekly progs and look at the first non-prog publication for 2000 AD, the 1977 Summer Sci-Fi Special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as well as stories from all your favorite thrills. There's a couple one-shot stories, some prose, like, adventure stories, and, like, (laughs) puzzles and crosswords, and a couple articles that are written about the future, as well as a two-page color feature on a little movie you may have heard of called Star Wars. Ooh. Yeah, it's wild, thrilling, amazing, and you better believe it. Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are a Space Spinner 2000. Splendug for a three. Cursio to a million painful death stare, but you do not have me yet.